Welcome to Immigration 360. On today's episode, we will discuss Ventanillas de Salud, or Health Windows, a collaborative and binational health access and preventative care program. To discuss this, I have with me Lorena Verdugo. Lorena Verdugo is a community health coordinator for El Rio Health Center. She has worked on various projects promoting health and well-being for women and their families in the neighborhoods of South Tucson. Lorena is certified in behavioral health services, community health advisor, and life coach, and continues to pursue a degree in behavioral health. Currently, Lorena is coordinator of the Loco Ventanilla de Salud, which is located inside the Mexican consulate in Tucson, and provides on-site assistance and outreach to low-income and Hispanic migrant families unfamiliar with the U.S. health system. Seasoned in her understanding of the value of outreach in the community, she is articulate and able to provide a bridge between the Spanish and English-speaking communities and is someone who seeks to bring health to her community. She is often sought out for special projects and has provided leadership within ASCHOW, Arizona Community Health Outreach Workers, as Vice President for Board of Directors in the state of Arizona. This demonstrates her gift at advocacy and leadership. Welcome, Lorena. It's so good to have you here. Thank you, Victoria. Yes, thank you for coming in, for taking interest in our program. <laughs> of course. Why don't we start by you telling us about Ventanillas de Salud and your role? Sure. So Ventanillas de Salud, the actual program is about 20 years old, I want to say. It initiated in San Diego uh, at the consulate there, the Mexican consulate. And it's actually funded by the health ministry in Mexico with the help of different collaborators and different fiscal agencies who match those funds in the U.S. So the interesting part is also that all there's 50 consulates, Mexican consulates in the U.S. Mm-hmm. All of them have a ventanilla de salud. And some even have a mobile unit that's kind of a branch out in the community for the ventanillas de salud, okay. who goes out to mostly the rural parts. But yeah, that's a little bit of the history, and I know we're going to talk about the services a little bit later, so I won't get ahead of you. (laughs) Okay, sounds good. And what's your role specifically? So my role here, I'm a a program coordinator. My Actually, my title is Community Health Coordinator. Basically, it's coordinating different events, different campaigns, and whatever goes on in the Ventanilla Salud. Right now, it's just myself. It's pretty much always been myself. But if you go to bigger cities, like maybe California, where you have bigger consulates and more population, you will probably find a coordinator and promotoras or community health workers that are also Mm -hmm. supporting the Ventanilla Salud. It's just pretty much based on the need of the population that we serve. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. So you alluded to this, but what services are provided by Ventanilla Salud? So I'm going to speak for my Ventaria Salud because okay. if we go to different communities, you'll see different services. And again, it's depending on the population, the traffic. We are still considered a border town because we're less than 70 miles from the border, as you may know. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have more of a stationary population who resides here. If you were to go to Nogales, which is a few you know miles down, they have people traffic that come and go from Mexico to the U.S. So it's a little bit different. In our circumstance here, we help a lot. It Basically, it's navigating the health system in the U.S. for migrants. Okay. It's very different. When you are in Mexico, Central America, or Latin America, you can just walk into a specialty. Of course, you have to have the money and say, hey, I want an EKG. Here, as you may know, and as, you know, our, the audience may know, you will probably need a referral. Mm-hmm. 
and for that you need a primary care doctor. So it's basically education, teaching people how to use the system and how the system works in the U.S. And that's just an example of many things that we help people with at the Ventanilla. Okay, wonderful. How many people work at the Ventanilla de Salud here in Tucson and how many people do you provide services for? So right now it's just myself that's employed, although I kind of, um, I, I need to include and say that I would not be able to do this by myself, obviously. We have to have collaborators and organization allies and stakeholders in the community. So those relationships are really important to have mm-hmm. in order to, for it to facilitate my job here and to do and meet our objective, which is getting people to preventative services. The other question was, how many people do we serve? So yeah. I could give you an estimate of what we've served in 2021. Okay. Uh, and that's been individuals. We've done about 5,400. Education, this is how we kind of divide it. We've provided education on different topics for about 3,200 people. And I should really highlight this because I'm really proud of it, our Mm -hmm. vaccines. And of course, it's been COVID vaccine. We've helped vaccinate about 2,600 people through the Ventanilla Salute. Now, again, this is thanks to collaborators. I'm not, you're not going to see me vaccinating people, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but you're going to see maybe a pharmacy come in or county health department coming in and doing these campaigns and so my job there is to promote it to incentivize people and to educate them around why the importance of becoming vaccinated or why is it important to attend this educational session on prevention for diabetes for example Mm -hmm. because those are some of the topics that we've featured among many others that's wonderful. Congrats on your high numbers. Yeah, That's exciting. Yeah, yeah. You know, actually, I didn't realize that until I was doing the research. And it was like, wow, I did. You know, you just kind of get into the job and you mm-hmm. just do it, do it. You go, go. And then when you look at the outcome, it's like, whoa. Yeah, you so, got to like give yourself a pat on the back. Like right, you're doing yeah. great work. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to take a little bit of a deeper dive into the services because I know there's a bunch of services that you mentioned. Yes. Um, so first one, health literacy. What does that look like? So that's going to vary. Um, so when you say health literacy to me, what first comes to mind is the educational level of the literacy that we hand out because we do a lot of handing out information and pamphlets, but it actually involves more than that. Health literacy can also be, um, and this is just to kind of maybe thinking out loud, is also the educational topics. We do a variety we can go, I really like to look at the needs of the community because everything is going to be tailored to each community. And that's why I say every Ventanilla is different. Mm-hmm. Um, we, unfortunately, here, we see a lot of people with diabetes, see a lot of people with hypertension, and we see a lot of cancer. Mm-hmm. So what I do or I try to do is bring in experts to talk about those topics and to, our main objective at each Ventanilla is prevention. Yeah. So I think the key or what opens the door to prevention is education. So Mm -hmm. one thing leads to the other, right? So that's one of the things that we've done. Um, We've had pharmacists talk. And with COVID, it's interesting how our dynamics change and we had to, you know, become flexible and innovative. So what we've been doing recently is having these talks over our media sites, the consulate media sites. So Facebook Live has Mm -hmm. been very popular. A lot of people are staying home, as you know, or have been staying home. So they have more of that time and flexibility. The other nice thing is that it's recorded so people can look at it or watch it at 
anytime at their convenience. Mm -hmm. Whereas before we used to go out to the community and inform people, whether this was door to door, at community events, at family resource centers. We've partnered a lot with the school district um, to do, you know, with their parent literacy groups to offer education around health literacy. Okay. So I think it that question is very broad because yes. we can go different ways with it. When COVID just started, obviously, and until to this day, we all have lots of questions and we still need a lot of information. And I know we've been talking a little bit about myths. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think everybody has heard some myth out there, but it's that's the idea is to, you know, bring the truth and bring it from experts. So that's the beauty that I get to work with different people out in the community and get to meet experts and bring that information to the to the public or to our population that needs it in a way that is sensitive to our culture. Yeah, that's important. Yeah. Let's move on to the next question. Can you further elaborate on health screenings? Yes. So health screenings is an important part of what we do here at the Ventanilla, whether it's um, referring patients or clients to places where they can receive health screenings or actually holding campaigns here, which is very successful, Victoria, and I'll tell you why. People feel more trusting to come into an environment where they speak their language they um, feel like they're in their territory because, you know, a lot of people step here at the Mexican consulate. It's like, oh, I feel like I'm in Mexico, which actually you are, you know, because yeah. if you're in an embassy or at a Mexican consulate, it is Mexican territory. And then the other thing is that people feel a lot more confident in a way and, and trusting is the word because these are sensitive topics. So mm-hmm. you're not going to want to just talk over it with anyone. And it's really important to have that empathy and be understanding to what the needs are. With that said, we've had different screenings. We have had HIV screenings. We have had, you know, sexually transmitted disease screenings, mammographies. And every month we partner also with our mobile health clinic, which I kind of mentioned a little bit about them. They're kind of like our arm out in the community. Mm -hmm. And they provide glucose screenings, blood pressure, cholesterol, and body mass index. So based on that, what we do is if there is somebody at risk, say we have somebody with hypertension Mm -hmm. and they don't have a primary care, what we will do is we will look for somewhere for a medical home for them. Whether it's El Rio, which is our fiscal agency, whether it's a community health center, or if it's um, Clinica Amistad, which is all based on volunteer physicians, we actually look at what's best for that person mm-hmm. and what fits best their needs. So yeah, that's, it's really important to have these preventative services so that we can continue care after that. Yeah, wonderful. My next question is about how Ventanillas de Salud promote healthy lifestyle choices and what that looks like. Right. Yeah. So in the past, right now we're a little bit, and that's kind of been um, something that I really miss is doing these in-person workshops. We've done workshops. Uh, one of them is called Meta Salud. It's a curriculum that was actually developed among Colegio de Sonora in Mexico and the U of A here with public health. So the beauty of that program is that it was very culturally sensitive. I mean, it involved things like Zumba, you know, things you'll find like in a Hispanic home, products that you'll find in a Hispanic home, 
and it focused a lot on making those behavioral changes instead of mm-hmm. implementing a diet for example yeah so it was a lifestyle change and that's part of also the education that we offered this was a 12-week program and because of COVID, we haven't been able to offer it in person but the year that the pandemic started we did offer it virtually and that was an option that people had you know to participate in which was really it worked out really nice because like i said people had a little bit more time they were home so they kind of had more of that focus also on the prevention and mm-hmm. self-care and we were able to bring that but just like that curriculum we've done other curriculums where we've partnered also with public health experts to bring to the community like i said in spanish most likely and Mm -hmm. we try to keep them short because you know we don't want to lose people's attention span (laughs) but they've been very successful actually that's amazing yeah and what have the curriculums been on uh diabetes has been one of them okay so we have actually right now currently we have a which is kind of different and it's could be like a little bit of a taboo still topic within our latino community is your end of life choices so how do you do that how do you get a a living will done Um, how do you register it does it have to be notarized so all that education and the importance of a living will Mm -hmm. which is you probably know and our audience probably knows you know that's a really really touchy subject for anybody right how do you prepare to like if you go into coma who do you want to make those decisions for you mm-hmm. but we look at it in the way that you're giving this gift to your loved ones because you don't want them to aside from you know a bad diagnosis or losing a loved one you don't want to leave them with that heavy weight on making that decision mm-hmm. for you so those are some of the topics that we have talked about and done in in the past okay Wonderful. and still actually doing it virtually but we're still actually doing it okay <laughs> yeah <laughs> So you kind of alluded to and mentioned throughout that all of the services are in response to what the community wants and needs. Right. So I was wondering, starting from the community level, what health needs have been identified? You've mentioned a few, but are there any that haven't been mentioned? You know, I always have a hard time. And actually, just this week, I, I had a hard time with... Um, there's still a gap in between some of our population where we have people that are not able to qualify for an insurance. And so when we have these diagnostics like cancer, it's very, very challenging because it's expensive for someone with insurance. Now, can you imagine for someone uninsured? And those have been some of the needs and the, the cracks that we've seen that, you know, um, especially with uh, specifically to cancer. Finding either charities or finding organizations, foundations that can actually help people. We've been successful, I must say that, either through El Rio, because we have a foundation that actually receives funds specifically for people with cancer with no insurance. But it's still so expensive that we kind of have to still look at, you know, different pharmaceuticals or talk with social workers and really, really do our homework in order to get people covered. But that, that's been one of the, the challenges that we've had identified within our, our migrant community. Okay. So now taking a look at your personal experience, what has your biggest takeaway or takeaways been from working at the Ventanillas de Salud? Oh, so personally, that's, that's a really good question. <laughs> And I think I was just talking to someone this week about it, how much I have learned that it's, it's really important to stay focused 
stay in the moment. And I've had cases, I mean, I just had one this week where a young woman in her early, early 40s, I think she was just 40 this, turned 40 this year, went into the hospital with stomach ache. Um, they put her in the surgery room and she came out in a coma and they, they really didn't know why. But I mean, it's just taught me the importance of, you know, taking care, really listening to your body. Um, the self-care thing is so important for all of us, even for us, you know, especially for us that work around so many people and we listen to different stories. But I think that's been the biggest takeaway is just living in the moment and taking everything a step at a time because we just don't know what can happen. And I've seen it here health-wise, you know, with different circumstances. And being prepared, obviously, you, you can never be prepared enough. And with that goes prevention again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that reflection. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I see you kind of stayed. <laughs> yeah, I was like, you that's interesting. In the days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's been hard. I, I honestly have to tell you, there's been times where I have had to just leave because I just, I, you know, cracked down or um, what is it? I just broke down. And especially when it comes to children, they're just mm. so vulnerable. And the, yeah, there was a situation one time where there was this child involved. And I think my child was about the same age as his. So it kind of all related. And I just broke down and it's like, okay, I gotta, I gotta leave. I gotta take time for me now. Because yeah. <laughs> if I don't do that, then how am I able to help others? Right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> part of like the self care. Exactly. What you were mentioning before. Yeah. 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 And I think that goes for everybody. Yeah. 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 Especially in working with, like you said, like hearing a lot of difficult stories, it's sometimes the line can be blurred and yes. you have to like take a step back, which, yeah, yeah, it's, it's important. And I think a lot of people don't think about that or talk about it when right. like entering professions that are emotionally heavy. Right. And that's one of the things that actually, Victoria, we have help with because if you're a foreigner in, I mean, just think about it. Say if you were to visit, I don't know, Asia, where you don't know the language, you don't know the health system, and something happens, you know, God forbid, you break a leg, something not even that serious, but Mm -hmm. who would you go to? Would you even know how to explain what is wrong with you? So if you put yourself in those shoes and Mm -hmm. you think about it, that's who we're helping. These are people that, don't know the language, don't know the resources, don't know where to go. Some people have even more barriers like transportation and they have children and maybe they have work, um, other responsibilities. And so that's where we come in kind of with that neutral thought and just kind of help them get through that spaghetti bowl. Yeah, it definitely is a spaghetti bowl. I like that. (laughs) Yeah. It's a spaghetti bowl for me, so like, right. yeah, of course. Exactly. If it can you imagine if it's hard for us, yeah, knowing the language exactly. and growing up here. Now think about it for somebody that's not from here. So mm-hmm. yeah, you get it. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so part of this podcast is addressing misconceptions mm-hmm. around people who have migrated to the United States. So what is something that you want the audience to know about people who have migrated from Latin America? Right. Ooh, that's a really good question, Victoria. <laughs> You're really picking my brain today. <laughs> um, you know, this is something that I think has actually been confirmed throughout the pandemic, where we've seen a lot of our migrant population being upfront and being out, being exposed. Mm-hmm. A lot of them have been affected by COVID because they have not stopped working. And they have been here, they, you know, they come to work and that's what they do. 
And unfortunately, this has just confirmed all the needs and barriers and challenges that we face mm -hmm. as a nation, actually. And it's unfortunate, you know, that we don't give that credit to them. Yeah. But like I said, it's, it's a daily job, I think, that we have in order to just make ourselves be a better person. I really, really always um, like the song from Michael Jackson, The Man in the Mirror. Yeah. And, you know, it talks about how you have to make a change on your, in yourself. And I think that's, mm. that's where we're going to start. Because if we don't make the change in ourselves, then we can't give what we don't have, right? Yeah. And just giving people credit or even a smile. I mean, something simple. You don't have to get too poetic about it. <laughs> just, you know, a friendly hello or how are you doing or, you know, do you need any help? Give, like I said before, giving them that credit is that's all that's needed. Mm -hmm. um, but like I said, again, this pandemic has just confirmed that, you know, these are the people that have been out there exposed and still are continuing to work throughout yes. it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. Before we conclude, mm -hmm. um, we discussed a lot of great things, the different services that are available by Ventanillas de Salud, the needs that you've identified and seen throughout your time here and your personal experience. Is there anything else you would like to add? Uh, yes, and I know that you usually end your uh, your programs or your podcasts with like a, a wish, right? Or kind of like, I don't know what, I, I, what you want to call it, or if you have a term for it, like an action item Exactly, maybe? yes. Yes, <laughs> yes, I love that. That's so um, innovative. That's great. You know, with everything that's, I think, one of the things that's been challenging for myself and my family and my kids it's and we talk about it maybe on daily it's like you know you turn on the news and every day you see a myth about whether it's the vaccine or it's whether it's the test or whether they're putting implementing a chip in you <laughs> but i think my my message would be you know to in tell people how important the vaccine is mm -hmm. um, right now we've faced such hard times everybody our children our older people being you know the ones with the most vulnerability against this. But I think it's so important as part of the Ventanilla prevention is to educate people on the vaccine and the importance of getting vaccinated against COVID. We are so fortunate, Victoria, to have choice. You know, I tell people, research, mm -hmm. do your homework, read about the different vaccines. We have, we get to pick from three different vaccines. Yeah. And they are all pretty high percentage yeah. in preventing, right? Mm -hmm. And we still don't do it. <laughs> so it's like, what else do we want? So that would probably be my message. Just, you know, letting people, if you haven't gotten vaccinated, mm -hmm. get vaccinated. If you already have, maybe motivate someone, help somebody out, transportation, make that appointment, let them know where they're vaccinating. Just simple things like that and it's going to make a change. Make that change in that men in the mirror, right? <laughs> Perfect. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> Brings it full circle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's about it. And thank you. I, I really, really enjoy it. I want to thank you for highlighting Bantanias de Salud. I think it's something a lot of people are not aware of yet. Mm -hmm. And it's a great program. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much, Lorena. This yeah. was wonderful. Thank you for your time and your wisdom. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> And thanks to the audience. We'll see you next time.